Hazy Podcast is brought to you by EK the DJ and Michael Reed. Join them each season as they discuss the adventures contained in various audiobooks. This season, they'll be providing reactionary commentary on the So I Got Hazed audiobook by Michael Reed. Chapter 19, Wasted. November 18th, The Magical Nickel. One night, James, John, Tony, and I were all over at LT's house. He was having a party, and there were lots of brothers there, one of which was Chippy. We pretty much got hazed in front of every person at the party at some point throughout the evening. We stayed in the kitchen drinking beers, in between being casually hazed. We talked about how much it sucked that we were trapped at the house and getting hazed. We thought it was just going to be a social party. Before we came over to the house, the brothers even promised they wouldn't haze us. A few hours into the miserable party, Chippy came over to me. He smiled and said, Strikes, are you a sad schmeg? No, I'm a happy schmeg, I said, physically putting on a fake smile and pointing to it with my index fingers. Chippy laughed and said, You're funny, Mike. What's wrong, Mike? Do you want to go home? I was positive it was a trick, and even if I was cautious, I'd end up doing whatever it was he had in store for me. So I said, No, I'm having a great time. I can't wait to stay longer. He knew I was lying, because he had been in my shoes, literally. I'm such a sarcastic asshole. I think the sarcasm is how you keep your sanity. I agree. I mean, you have to feel like you're resisting to the BS a little bit. And I feel like certain things can't go unsaid. Yeah, like you can't just allow yourself to be treated like 100% garbage and not like put up for put up like a, a little bit of a fight resist for like stand up for yourself a little yeah true or else the roll over is just gonna happen a lot faster and harder right and nobody liked getting hazed all the time sometimes it was nice to be able to relax and not have to be on guard or ready to eat some shit i suppose pledging taught me that in life you have to be ready to eat shit at any moment not necessarily literal shit but figuratively speaking Sometimes crap gets thrown your way, and you have to deal with it and move on. I know you want to go home, Mike. Come with me outside for a minute. Give your pin to one of your pledge brothers, Chippy said. Chippy made an after-you gesture with his hand while holding a beer bottle. I looked at James and John and handed John my pledge pin. I knew that just by making eye contact with them, they could relate to the whirlwind of thoughts in my head, the unknowing of what haze was about to follow. I went outside, and Chippy slammed the door shut behind us. You know I like you, Strikes. That's why I'm giving you this chance, he said to me. As soon as I heard the word chance, I could without a doubt promise myself that I'd be hating life a lot more in the minutes to follow. Chippy led me to the dumpster that was behind the main chapter house and LT's house. I knew there was no fucking way I was going to like whatever he had planned for me. I was thinking he was just going to have me jump into the dumpster and jump back out. Instead, he reached into his pocket and pulled out a nickel. When I was pledging strikes, when I was pledging, I had to dumpster dive all the fucking time. I hated it. I like you, Mike, and you're going to get the same chance I did. I'm going to throw this nickel into this dumpster, and if you can find it, then you can leave. Just you. You'll be able to leave for the rest of the night, haze-free, Chippy slurred. I tried pleading. Man, are you serious? There's no way I'm going to be able to find that nickel. You know that even if I do find it, I'm still going to get hazed by someone else. You don't have a choice, Strikes, and if I say that nobody's going to mess with you, then nobody is going to haze you. If you find it, I'll send you home, and you'll turn off your phone. And that'll be it. Hazing resumes first thing tomorrow, Chippy said. I thought he was trying to deceive me. I had to ask one more question, just to make sure. Does that mean that as soon as it hits 12.01am, that you can haze me again? No, Mike, Chippy replied. Are you ready? He wasn't asking me. That's some pre-law shit right there, right? <laughs> you definitely were ahead of the curve on the conversation <laughs> there. <laughs> Smart thinking. Uh, I, don't re- I don't remember ever dumpster diving. I'm sure that I had to at least once. But I do remember... Chippy, Chippy had to dumpster oh. dive? Did he? Did Chippy have to dumpster dive a lot? Lots. That sucks. 
but telling me that he was ready to throw the coin. Okay, I'm ready. I wasn't really, but I started taking a step towards the dumpster. Wait, Chippy said. Was I saved? Had he changed his mind? Maybe it was a trick, and he just wanted to see if I was going to do it. The inner child came out of me at that moment, in hopes that something was going to happen in my favor. This was until Chippy said, Let's check the date on the nickel before I throw it, so you don't pull one out of your fucking pocket. Chippy held the nickel out in his hand, showing the head side of the coin. He flipped the coin over and said, 1976 strikes. 1976, and it has Jefferson on it. There was no hesitation or talking after that. Chippy took the nickel between his index finger and his thumb and pitched that fucker into the dumpster. I remember being pretty drunk and thinking I could never find the nickel. I listened carefully to what it bounced off of inside the dumpster. When it made contact, I heard it bounce against a few pieces of metal and came to rest on what sounded like a piece of cardboard. When it landed, it made a dull thud noise, and I thought it may have landed on a pizza box. Go get it, man. I'll wait all night, Chippy said smugly. Okay, when I heard that sound, I instantly was like, look for a piece of cardboard up there. If you were smart enough, you had the foresight to be mindful of the sound it made when it hit something. Yes. I don't think I, I, don't think I would have done that. Well, I knew I was going to have to find it, so I instantly thought, just listen. What else am I going to do? I can't see. Just watch and listen. I can only watch the edge and then listen to what it hits. He's going to make me dig through that fucking dumpster until I find it. But, but I mean... Well, let's find out. I cautiously climbed up the side of the green dumpster. As I climbed over the side, I was very careful to see where I was stepping. I didn't know what was inside that dumpster, and I didn't want to get poked. The light from the nearby apartment complex illuminated the dumpster in the darkness of the night. It was hard to see anything inside the dumpster until my eyes started adjusting. I scoured around, looking for pizza boxes. Then, it hit me in the face. There it was at my feet. I could see the reflection of the nickel sitting on top of a Mike's pizza box. I saw the pizza box and grabbed the nickel, but pretended to continue searching. I grasped the nickel so hard in my hand that its soft edges cut into my palm. I didn't care. I was going to squeeze it so hard it would go into my skin and start floating around. I had found the nickel in the haystack. I knew I had found it much too quickly, because it took less than a minute. If I brought the nickel back out that soon, Chippy would have either thought that I had cheated him, or throw that fucker back in and make me get it a second time. I kept the nickel tight in my hand as I kept throwing things around the dumpster in a flurry to make it look as if I was frustrated. What a smart, smart pledge. Bro, you were, you were definitely ahead of your time. <laughs> we had been hazed so much that it turned us into little, like, perfect hazing ninjas. I don't think I ever would have thought about any of that. Yeah. I don't think I ever... I wouldn't even think I would have considered it. Really? Like, I mean, one, I would not have thought to listen for what it sounded like when it hit the trash can. <laughs> Two, I would have not, I would not have thought, I'm just going to hold on to this for a minute. So I don't have to dive right back in and get it again. Like, I would not have thought about any of that. Stuff. I also climbed in carefully and stepped on almost nothing so that I didn't break anything like, that was cardboard. Yeah. Because I knew it was sitting on top. So here I am with this nickel in my hand, and let's see what happens. After a few more minutes, Chippy started talking shit to me. He said he was getting bored and didn't think I would be able to find the nickel. Then he said, we should go back inside. We can get back to the party and the hazing. You did your best. When the words hit the tip of the hippie's silver tongue, I interrupted him and said, I found it. I fucking found it. I carefully jumped out of the dumpster and walked over to where Chippy was standing, holding his beer bottle. I exited safely because I didn't want to drunkenly faceplant out of the dumpster. I couldn't risk breaking my face on the concrete after such a successful dumpster dive. Although that would have made the story so much better if I found the nickel and got out of the dumpster and slammed my fucking face against the cement. Oh man, that would have been... 
That would have been a story. Ripperonis. But this is what happened, and the truth is just as funny. I placed the nickel in his hand, and he began examining it. His jaw was on the ground. No, you fucking didn't, he said in astonishment. He flipped the coin over and over again, reading just loud enough that I could hear him. 1976. Jefferson. Then Chippy spoke up. I want to know how you did it, Mike. I heard it hit something in there and just got lucky, I said. He was certain that I had cheated him in some way. And he was right. Yeah, but to an extent, <laughs> right? He threw it into the dumpster. I found it. Yeah. It was the same yeah. nickel, but he thought that some way I materialized this nickel or had the other one on like a fishing string or some something. Way, somehow you beat the system. Yes. So listening to it was, him. It was the Kobayashi Maru. You weren't supposed to be able to beat it. Exactly. <laughs> the usual suspects. Strikes. I never found the nickel when I was a pledge. They kept me in there, looking around. I can't believe you just found this. I know it's the right nickel, but part of me just doesn't believe this just happened. Go home right now, Mike, Chippy said. I started walking towards my dorm while talking to Chippy about the nickel. He started to become friendlier to me because I think a part of him was proud that he had a pledge that was willing to do anything and could pull off some amazing shit. You know what, Mike? I want you to come inside for a little bit. I'll make sure nobody fucks with you. You deserve to just chill for a bit. I still can't believe that shit strikes, Chippy said. However, as a pledge, you know, you don't want to go into that house because then brothers are going to be fighting over you like cavemen over a cavewoman. She mine! <laughs> Somebody get that pledge! Get the pledge! Make them do this! He had said I was going to be freed, but I knew it was always a trap. I just wanted to go home. The party was long over, and it was now just a lot of brothers in the house, with a few of their serostitute girlfriends. Usually that's when we got hazed the worst, because the brothers wanted to flex their frat penises in front of their women. As soon as we got inside, Chippy started telling everyone about the nickel. Yo, you guys would not believe this bullshit. Strikes just found a nickel I threw into a dumpster outside. I've never seen anything like that shit. I still want to know how you did it, Mike. I know you fucking cheated or something. There had to be something. But I saw it with my own eyes. I don't think that everyone in the room fully believed us. He was so drunk, and I was just a worthless pledge. He may have been wasted, but it still blew his mind that I was able to find that shit. It was almost as if everybody in the room not only didn't care but didn't believe the story. They're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. He just made the pledge well, make a concoction. Yeah, so they're like, yeah, <laughs> shut up, Chippy. Whatever. That's phenomenal. You're so lucky. Well, I mean, skilled, I guess. Not luck had nothing to do with it. You were paying attention. Both. He also threw it. So that's luck. Yeah. Fuck. It blew my mind that I heard it land inside a pizza box. Someone tried hazing me, and Chippy saw it. He said, Mike, go home. Go now. Don't go say bye to your pledge brothers. Three seconds. Leave. Run. So I fucking booted it. I ran out the door, counting to three in my head. I quickly sprinted around the paper factory while turning my phone off so he couldn't call me back if he changed his mind. I went into hiding for the rest of the night. Around 3 a.m., John came knocking at my door, waking Paul and I both up. We could hear him yelling in the hallway. Strikes! He's your... <laughs> it's like... It's like so a drug... mad at you, I'm sure. <laughs> it's like... You know that they just went through some shit. <laughs> if it's 3 a.m. And he's and just you getting home. There. Yeah. Yes. You weren't there, you jerk. <laughs> and if Chippy had sent me home and not told anybody else and my phone's off, for all the other brothers know, where the hell is Mike? Right. You don't know where Mike is? He didn't even say anything to hey, you? Well where's your where's your pledge brother? Yeah. Where's your pledge brother? You don't know where your pledge brother is? You guys are hating it tonight. 
If he doesn't answer his every time he, for every minute that he doesn't answer his phone, you're doing push-ups in the basement. Oh, that must have been hours. Hours of push-ups. So let's find out what Noel says. <laughs> Pledge brother man, he's not here for me, Paul said, suggesting I get the fuck out of bed and answer the door. I opened my door to see a very displeased and condiment-covered John. Aw, buddy, are you okay? I asked him. Man. You know when it's raining outside and somebody comes in and they have, like, long hair and they're just drenched? It was like that, but with, like, mayo and, like, mustard. You feel bad because they're like a wet dog. Mm Mm-hmm. With his braces, just covered in shit. (laughs) I love that my roommate was like, he's your pledge brother, man. When he's knocking on the door. That's his reaction. Not like, fuck you or anything like that. It's like, neither of us want to get out of bed. And he's like, he's your pledge brother. Because he was both of our friend. But he's like, and he's closer to you. And it's unrelated to me. So with him having braces in retrospect, if I was a more messed up brother, I would have always been like offering him popcorn. and like Bread. <laughs> Eat this loaf of bread. Oh, man. Oh, that's got to be the best hazing thing ever. That needs to be written down. As soon as you left, they made us play pop-up fucking schmeg behind one of the bars. John's voice was so loud in the hallway, I thought it was probably waking up everyone on the floor. He had no inside voice, so I said, Hey, let's go to your room and talk, man. Leading him back to his bedroom. John told me that they hazed him and James all night. He said James was still at the fraternity house and that they were still hazing him. That sucked for James. Since Knox was now awake and annoyed, I invited him to come out onto the roof for a smoke session. He threw a shirt over his giant self for a little warmth and joined us outside. We smoked for a little bit and then we all went back to bed. We found out the next day that James got hazed until almost 4 a.m. that night. I bet he wished that he had gone dumpster diving instead. Facts. Man, those those super late nights. I don't miss those. Yes. Um, I now nowadays, like when I'm up till four in the morning, I'm ab- I'm aggravated. I'm frustrated because it's like, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have trouble waking up in the morning. I'm gonna be cranky. Aggravated. If I'm up until four a.m. I'm calling in to work. There is, like, I am sleeping until 4 p.m. most likely and might need two days off if, like, I have been up until 4 a.m. Party like, Mike just... is gone. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. This is old sore Mike. But poor James. And it's pretty awesome that Knowles came at 3 a.m. and then me and my roommate both get up go out onto the roof of the dorm and take rips at 3 a.m. That's just real considerate of you, considering what he had just gone through. (laughs) (laughs) True. I would have shared with him anyways. November 19th, two-strike hike. I had to walk to the courthouse for my second alcohol charge. Since I didn't have a car, had a suspended license, and none of the brothers wanted to get up on a Friday morning to drive me. I was left walking to the courthouse for a second time. My punishment for my second alcohol charge was that I had to complete a two-day drug and alcohol course. I also had to pay a $66 court fee. It was almost as if my lawyer didn't help in the reduction of my charges at all. I thanked him and left. I walked back to campus, and I was excited that I wouldn't have to worry about any more court cases, at least where I was the defendant. Short and sweet little story. I had to deal with a court case. Well, the court case happened after I had, I had come home from school. Which is worse, because you had to go back? No, I ended up not going back because I like I I wasn't able to leave or make or travel back there. Like I wasn't able, so I I I wrote a statement. Hmm. But my my statement was I didn't see anything. Uh, but another brother from another fraternity. Um, the the short version of this story is he caught a brother from his fraternity, a former brother from his fraternity, like uh, alumni, uh, 
in the act of getting physical with his girlfriend. And they got into a fight, and the the guy that was caught uh, definitely took a beat down and uh, had to go to the hospital and everything. Uh, the brother that I knew ended up going to jail. Damn. Yeah, it was pretty... Uh, over a woman. Pretty... Over a woman. Really over a woman in college. Thing. Like, crushed the dude's face in. So, like, you go to jail when that happens. Over a chick that <laughs> is between 18 and 22 years old. Right? Like, something that most likely you're not even going to end up spending your life with. They was in love. <laughs> yeah, they was in lust, apparently. And apparently they was in bust. So, flashing forward... Without saying names, did they end up staying together? Did they get married? I I don't think so. I think he went to jail for a while. Yeah. So he's married to some some other dude right now. <laughs> November nineteenth, the vinegar. A few days after midnight. Eric called John and I over to his house to do some cleaning and chill. Typically, that meant we'd need to bring weed to smoke, and we'd be doing some mildly shitty tasks. When we got there, Eric asked for feedback on Nibnight, and we told him how awful we thought it was. We felt like we were getting to the breaking point. We asked Eric when Hell Week was, but he wouldn't tell us. When we finished cleaning, John and I sat on the living room sofa smoking pot. While we were blazing, Chippy came home. When he walked into the apartment and saw us, he said, Hi, Schmags. Hi, Chippy, we both replied. What are you guys up to? Just finished cleaning, I said. How about some shots, Eric said, walking into the room holding the vinegar jug from Nibnight. One of you can choose to do one shot alone, or each of you can do a shot. What's it going to be? I looked at John and knew his limitations. I decided to take the shot so he wouldn't have to. I immediately poured a shot into one of the two glasses and drank it without a second of hesitation. The clear liquid burned worse than moonshine because my esophageal lining had been devastated over the semester. Where are your other pledge brothers? Eric asked. James is in class, John replied. And Tony is across the street, cleaning Callum's place, I added. By this point in the pledge process, we knew our shit and the locations of our most important resources at all times. Before the mass use of cell phones, we were human GPSs. Get Tony over here then, Eric demanded. I called Tony's phone and told him Eric wanted him over at his apartment. He panicked and said he was supposed to run to the chapter house though. He didn't know what to do. In what only felt like a few seconds, we could hear the blazing speed of Tony's Chuck Taylors racing up the apartment stairs. He burst through the door of the apartment and said, Hey, what's up? Catching his breath. Tony, glad you're here. Well, not really, but I'm glad there's one more person to have some drinks with us. And by us, I mean you schmegs, Eric said. When Tony had finally caught his breath, he sat down beside John and I. Eric wasted no time and said, All right, Mike, I'm going to switch this up a little. For every shot you take, Tony has to take one. You can start now. Under normal circumstances, I probably wouldn't have taken a shot at all. I would have refused gotten Eric to yell at me to take one, and then I would have taken one as a punishment. Like, that is such elite pledge psychology, because that's exactly what would have happened. So I know I'm in for two. So I took it upon myself to measure myself against my pledge brother. Instead, I decided it would be the perfect time to exact my revenge on Tony. I wanted to make him suffer for all the times he'd fucked me over during the semester, especially on nib night. I poured two shot glasses full, looked at Tony without an ounce of emotion, and shot the vinegar back. Okay, Tony, like I said, it's your turn, Eric said. Tony threw a shot back and gagged. He couldn't finish all of it and had to take a second sip to finish it. John sat there quietly so that he wouldn't be involved. I poured two more shots and shot one back. I looked at Tony and said, You're up. What the fuck strikes? Tony said under his breath. 
Tony took his shot and made a sour face. I had no expression and no emotion towards Tony's suffering. The vinegar didn't even burn anymore. My anger was coming back, and it felt really good to get it out. I poured another. The dark side is overpowering him. He's becoming an angry nib. He's almost there. So, uh, Chippy and I had a pledge brother that quit. And, uh, I, I'm fairly positive he's not referenced anywhere in your, in your book. So we, we can call him Joe. Uh. <laughs> okay. But, uh, he was, uh, always messing up and making things more difficult for us. So whenever an opportunity presented to make things harder on him, I think we would have both done the same thing you did. Ultimately, he ended up quitting. Well, I didn't the want worst... Tony to quit. Uh, we, I think we did want Tony to quit. <laughs> he, was, he was not pleasant to be around. It's interesting, um, because you make a comment, actually, in this chapter, after the vinegar incident. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, let's find out. Another shot for each of us. I took mine, and immediately poured another one, and took that as well. I sat back, and said, you're up. At that moment, Tony knew that Eric had put the ball in my court. He took one of the shots, and sat there with a stupid look on his face. He didn't want to take the second one. Eric saw the distress on Tony's face. <laughs> it was like a look of bewilderment, like, why are you doing this to me? We're pledged brothers. I understand what's happening now, and why. Yes. <laughs> no, like, I understand, now I understand what's happening. What I don't understand is why it's happening. <laughs> yes. So he's in for four shots now. Really, he could have been in for zero, and I would have done two. But we're saying fuck it until this moment. And said, take the shot, Tony, and we can end it here. Tony took the shot, and his face went red. He didn't like shots of vinegar at all. I loved it. Now he felt like I had during the last event. Tony's phone rang, and he answered it. After a moment or two, he said, okay, and hung up. He looked at Eric and said, I have to go to the chapter house to clean for Zeke. Okay. I just want to tell you this, and hopefully it'll spark a great memory for you. But I can still close my eyes and laugh, thinking about the sound effect of Tony running from inside your apartment to the chapter house. And it sounded like the Roadrunner, and here we go is my description in the book. <laughs> okay. Okay. Go now. Hurry, Eric said. Tony burnt rubber, tearing down the stairs and out onto the street. We heard the sound of his feet pitter-pattering all the way to the chapter house. I said that he reminded me of the Roadrunner, and we had a good laugh at his expense. We all died laughing for minutes. <laughs> because you could hear his feet go. It, it was literally like, meep, meep. Yes, and then up the cement, little pitter-patters, because his stride wasn't that big, so he was running warp speed, though. I think the chucks were too big. <laughs> Which is actually good. It's good in the last week if they're too big. After sitting around for a few moments in silence, Eric finally said, That was kind of fucked up, Strikes. Why did you make him do that? Because I don't think he'll make it and I wanted him to suffer. I answered, Mike, it's not up to you, or John, or Tony, or James, who makes it into the fraternity. It's up to us. You may think someone doesn't cut it, because they aren't as smart as you, or can't take as much abuse as you, but that doesn't mean they don't have heart, spirit, and soul. And those words forever remind me that no matter what position or work site or anything that I am in life, I treat everybody equally. It doesn't matter if you're taking out the garbage, you're ringing up somebody's cash, or you're like the CEO. I'm equally as nice and flirty to everybody. I felt really bad about what happened to Joe. Did you? I did felt really bad because all he wanted was to be part of the crowd and he's just he was bad and like clumsy and couldn't 
focused and wasn't studying and was, you know, his grades were slipping bad. And he. But that was John and I. Yeah, well, he he uh, he made everything more difficult, and it just it just wore me down. It wore it wore both Chippy and I down. And like after the fact, after he he ultimately did decide to to quit because his grades were dropping, and like like he needed to focus, whatever. Um, and I did feel really bad about like we didn't we didn't really make it any easier on him because it was like it was like yeah man you should focus on your grades you really should it's probably the right thing for you to focus on your grades where do you know what ended up happening to him honestly no i think he ended up rushing in another fraternity the next semester oh wow i can't imagine being hazed for a full year then again i can't imagine being handcuffed to a ceiling while a woman in a dominatrix outfit shoves things in my bum all right now let's press play I will tell you this, Tony may not perform the same way that you and John do, but that doesn't mean that he isn't cut out for this fraternity, and it doesn't mean that his soul isn't bigger than each of yours. John and I sat in silence. Although a semester of eating Tony's shit wouldn't make Eric's words change the way I felt at the time, he had a pretty valid point. Tony had gotten us hazed so many times for things he'd done, and it would take a lot for my petty mind to forgive him. The shots of vinegar with Tony marked for me the real end to Nibnight. After the shots, I felt a little sense of schmeg closure about the whole event. Him getting busted by the Interfraternal Council, though, was like, holy shit, we suffered every day for that one. And it's not in the book, because the little petty hazes, there wasn't points of writing all of them. But just imagine every right. day that there's like little petty shit going on be talking to a chick on campus you're like this is going really well and then you'll feel a hand on your shoulder and you'll be like oh it's a fraternity brother this is not gonna go well anymore and they'll be like who's your friend and then they swoop in and snag them from you and you're like oh no <laughs> that was mine we had a connection well i'm about to go connect with her at my apartment so <laughs> November 19th. Pardon me. Claire and Celeste loved the company of John and I. We spent the night at their house smoking weed. Eventually, the girls brought each of us up to their respective rooms. I was having an awesome time with Claire when John burst in the door. He stood there watching for a few awkward moments and said, I think I'm gonna go. Get the fuck out, bro. I'm pounding pussy here. When you're... On a sex adventure, a sex adventure, with one of your bros, and they go off into a room, and you go off into a room, and they come in and interrupt you having sex, and they say, I think I'm going to go, it is never for a good reason. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> what did he witness? What happened in that other room? Claire was riding me when John came in, so there wasn't anywhere I could go. She hadn't even missed a beat. She kept grinding on me while John watched. When John left, I stayed and hung out with Claire. I don't know if I even say what happened, but I will since it's our podcast. <laughs> I'm waiting. So they started hooking up. And apparently there was penetration, and then she decided she didn't want to do anything. Whether or not that's true, we'll never know. But then he went out of the room, and that was it. She didn't want anything, so she kicked him out of the room, and he wanted to come ruin my session, and mine was fully consensual on both ends. So I'm like, what the heck, man? I'll talk to you later. <laughs> I'm sorry your transaction did not, uh, that your transaction was declined, but mine was approved over here. We're making debits meet credits. We're maxing out these cards. November 20th, cleaning machines. Our pledge class had become such an efficient cleaning force by late November. The four of us could clean the entire fraternity house of all bottles. TCF, team cleaning force. Well done. Cups, bras, 
panties, and other debris way faster than we could when we first started pledging. We were at the pinnacle of our pledge period. We were lean, mean, cleaning, puking, and studying machines. Whenever we cleaned, we'd call out what task we were doing. We took turns scooping up bottles, cans, empty cups, full cups, and running trash outside. We made sure that when a trash can was full, that we took it to the dumpster right away. This stopped the brothers from being able to play scrambled schmags with us. When we cleaned, we spent a significant amount of time looking for ground scores. One day when we were cleaning, James found a tin case and gave it to John. It had a few Xanax pills and a bag of coke in it. John was so excited because it was his best ground score yet. He was finally rewarded for his pledging chores. It was always great finding ground scores. That's, yeah, I was going to say, that's a pretty solid ground score. Yeah, Xanax totems and coke. I'd say that's a pretty awesome thing to find. That's like a couple hundred bucks on the ground for a young little experimenter. See, I, I was, there was a, a point in time where I lived with, I, I lived with brothers that were easy to find Xanax and easy to find Coke and pills and stuff like that. So that was just always around when I lived in the frat house. True. This was a this was a unusual uh, oddity. November first, blowing off steam. It was a Sunday evening, and Kyle called us over to the chapter house. He must have wanted to blow off some steam, since Forrest couldn't haze us. We knew we were at least safe from him that night. When we got to the house, Kyle was the only one there. He was very coked up and very angry. We started with steamrollers, which we'd begun to master. When we finished steamrollers, we moved on to air chairs. While we were doing air chairs, Kyle had us balance his beer on our knees. Once he got bored of that, we were fed cinnamon while we had to sing, A spoonful of cinnamon helps the medicine go down, the medicine go down. After our cinnamon symphony, we were given vegetable oil to wash it down. We puked up so much vegetable oil that the floor was covered in it. Kyle also made us all puke on one another's heads. Tony puked on the back of my head. I couldn't be mad at him because it wasn't his fault. He was just doing what he was told to. I don't recall ever having to puke on anyone or anyone puking on me. <laughs> I'm telling you, bro. We had a tough, tough time pledging. That, that stuff is vile. When we were sent home, I didn't even have a shower. I put a towel down on top of my blanket and slept in my clothes. Can we just put that into perspective for a second? The, I actually slept after getting puked on and I had long shaggy hair. Like That's how sad and exhausted I was. November 22nd, Ice Cream Social. Tommy Too Fast's interview was known as being the hardest interview in the fraternity. Pledges weren't allowed to take Tommy's interview unless the rest of their day was free. The day I had Tommy's interview, I had no idea what I was in for. When I started Tommy's interview, he made me take a shot of beer after each question I asked him. This went on for the first few questions and then progressed to me taking a cannonball after every question I asked him. Partway through the interview, it plateaued to taking a shot or a cannonball after every question I asked. I had 50 questions to ask him. I didn't make it through all of them before puking in his kitchen's tiny garbage can. He told me to puke in the bathroom, so I moved in there and couldn't stop throwing up. The best part is, is that I still have my interview book, so like I know what question I made it to, and it's in the 30s, I believe. <laughs> Did you see your uh, writing progressively getting worse? Absolutely. fucking -lutely. That's awesome. Eventually, John Knowles was called to come pick me up. John stayed and smoked weed with Tommy for a bit until Tommy wanted to go out. John walked me back to the dorms and I kept throwing up on the way. I did my best to remain composed. He called Paul to meet us around the back of the dorm stairwell. Paul was there waiting and opened the door for us. We walked up the emergency stairwell and safely snuck right into my dorm room. 
When I was back in my room, all I wanted to do was throw up. Having that emergency stairwell was the coolest. Like, we had so many emergency stairwells to get back into the dorms. All you had to do was get a friend to let you in. Yeah, the, 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 for the safety sake of those buildings, poor design. Yeah, very much so, when you think about it. They should have had some cameras there, perhaps. Yeah, and a better, like, lock system. Yeah, <laughs> true. ID I cards. One of those, I remember one of those doors being broken for a while uh, during my pledging semester when, like, the, I remember there being a door that you could always get into. It was interesting. You asked me uh, about an interview, and the first interview that I opened up in my uh, interview book was actually a brother that uh, that passed, and I, I won't say his name on the thing, but I'm sure you can see that. Yeah, I I I lived with him for a little while. Huh. There's a there's a story about me being naked on the roof of the uh the chapter house with him. <laughs> well, he's the one that let me back in the house. His poor unfortunate girlfriend <laughs> opened the window when I was knocking on it trying to get back in. That's awful. Imagine being on the second floor of a house. You're knocking on the window outside. You open the curtain and see a naked guy <laughs> outside the window. Oh, gosh. Now, mind you, I have no memory of this. I only have gathered the uh, the the story through conversations with other people who were around me that night. I think I'm going to read you his answers to his pledge questions. I think that's oh, yeah. I think that's a good surprise right now. Let's do that. Okay, so here's the questions of our past brother. He was an accounting major. Uh he told me everybody that he pledged with. Uh he pledged in spring ninety nine. His worst favor that he had to do ended up with him having a spoonful of horseradish, which actually oh. isn't that bad, I don't think. His favorite well, event. Go ahead. Not good with spicy stuff. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And it depends how big the spoon is, actually. Because if you want to get crazy, you know, would you rather have a spoon of horseradish or a sprinkle of habanero? Oh, well, I'll have a spoon of horseradish. All right, here's your spoon, right? Right, right. His favorite food was crab cakes. He lost his virginity at 14. He pledged because he had friends in Sagach. Most pain he was ever in was doing air chairs and whatever. Oh, and he got tendonitis in senior year. And he was arrested for pot while DDing. And at a mixer, he was handcuffed one year. And then uh, I asked him what he learned while he was pledging. And he said, you can do more than you think you can. Oh, uh, yeah, that's that's definitely something. I, yeah, you learn while you're pledging. Yeah, I never thought I'd be able to write a book about my pledging experiences 15 years later because it actually meant something to me, which is pretty cool to think about, right? Yeah, that's really awesome to think about. Paul had his friend over, and they were smoking weed. They invited John in, and the three of them smoked weed together. I stayed in the bathroom and was sick. While they were taking bong hits in the room, and I was puking in the bathroom, there was a knock at the door. John came into the bathroom and told me to be very quiet because Gina was outside. I put my hand on my mouth and stopped puking. Gina wanted to tell us about some bullshit ice cream social. The guy said that they weren't interested. When she left, Paul opened up the door and said, Holy shit, bro. Fucking awesome job keeping quiet. <laughs> we could have been fucked. Want a bong hit? No thanks. I just want to sleep, I said. I puked some more and then came out of the bathroom. I passed out cold on my bed while the weed session was still going on in the room. So to put this into perspective, I had too fast to interview, got way too wasted. I had to tag out 
I actually did make it through all the questions, but around question 32, it's rest in peace, Mike. <laughs> and there's even a circle around 29 through 30 that says double. So I probably was doing double cannonballs at this point. Trying to, so trying to get you wrecked. Knowles brings me back to the dorm. I'm throwing up in the toilet, and the RA knocks on the door. So what's a guy to do? Be quiet. And they didn't get busted. They were smoking weed at the same time. But the fact that she wanted, like, ice cream social, I think she was just fishing. She could have asked us at any time, but you want to ask us at, like, 8 o'clock at night if we want to go to an ice cream social? Bitch, please. You were trying to get me out of there. This girl hated us. Which will come out in later chapters. Well, you did steal her marker. I did steal her marker. You know what? That is true. And she already hates my roommate and I because we got that other kid kicked out and put in a room by, like, some other guy five all rooms down. This, all you've done this semester is make her life difficult. Yep. <laughs> but I've made our life a party town, which is exactly how I needed it. November 23rd, a second chance. The dean of students called me and wanted to talk about the incident with Lee. He told me that for my safety, Lee... So Lee's the guy that pulled the knife on me in the elevator. Right. I saw the... Um... Now, yeah. just to bring this into perspective, this whole thing is about me not wanting others to have to go through what I went through. So this is how good of a person I am. Lee was going to be moved to another dorm. He wanted me to know that the campus took assault with deadly weapon cases very seriously. I said I wasn't worried. The dean put the ball in my court and asked what I wanted to have happen to Lee. I asked him what he meant. The dean explained that Lee could be outright suspended for his actions if I thought he was a threat and he couldn't be rehabilitated. He said that the choice was mine and to take it seriously. I didn't know what Lee's problem with me was. Maybe he liked Samantha, or maybe he had a mental problem, or maybe he just didn't realize what he was doing. I didn't know if he had loving parents like I did, or if this... Maybe what? Maybe he liked you. Maybe he liked me. He's like, how can I get this big boy's attention? I don't know why he's French all of a sudden, but I just found that sexier. I mean, if a man's going to flirt with me, I want an accent. I want him to be French. Let's just clarify, I definitely wouldn't want it to be French. This was his one shot at getting away from home. As far as I knew, it wasn't like he tried to knife someone 24 hours before me, like a two-strike knife kind of guy. I presume this was a one-off. I told the dean that I didn't think he was ever going to do it again. That's funny. That was well done. I recommended Lee be given a second chance and be put into anger management. To help him relax a bit. You know what's so funny about this? Me just reading it. Is I'm reading it so relaxed. I'm like, I just wanted him to get some anger management. So that, you know, <laughs> he could relax a bit. Everybody else is relaxing. Why ain't you relaxing, bro? I just want dude to take a chill pill. You're not getting hazed 20 hours a day. Look at how calm I am. Steady hands, baby. Steady hands. Do you have any idea how good you have it, bro? <laughs> yeah, you're in here playing Grand Theft Auto. I'm out there trying to steal autos for my brother because it's on a list of 25 things that I need to get. Shut up, I don't have time for you. I gotta go get a hooker and some blow now. Peace. Have you even eaten any onions this week? <laughs> <laughs> That's more realistic. <laughs> and now this next story is a catch-up of what happened in the previous story, when we were cleaning up the chapter house. November 24th. Are you dying? It was the night before we were going back home for Thanksgiving break. John and I decided to prowl around the fraternity house and look for ground scores. When we were in the upper floor bar room, we found a ton of white powder on the bar. We weren't sure exactly what it was, so John gummed a bit of it and said it was probably coke. It could have also probably been Clorox bleach, baking soda, any sort of cleaning powder or chemical agent to try to get like the bar clean because it was in that upstairs bar room. 
Oh man. And Poor decision. Are probably like, probably I'm in. I'm in. Did <laughs> what good scientists do when they're unsure what a substance is. We snorted it. In retrospect, it could have been rat poison or a cleaning chemical. What do you think, Dr. Murphy? I don't know, Dr. Clexon. What do you think? I think we should snort it to figure out what let's, it is. Let's snort it and wait and see what the effects are. <laughs> what if it kills us? Well, then we'll know it's bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> we went downstairs and sat on the cushionless sofa. John pulled out some cocaine from the tin that James had given him, and we snorted that, too. The house was quiet while we sat on the sofa talking. After a few minutes of sitting and talking, John's nose started bleeding. I was so scared, I asked him if he was dying. He said that his nose was dry, and that he'd overused his nostrils during the semester. We went back to the dorms and watched Family Guy. John didn't die that night, thank God. He'd overused his nostrils through the semester. That's a very pleasant way of saying he had done entirely too much coke. <laughs> <laughs> but he just had such an eloquent way of putting it. Like, these, these words and these mannerisms cannot be made up. Like, these are the things that I went back home and I'm like, blip, 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 blip. This is what happened. Boop, boop, boop. what happened today. Yeah. And now, boom, I'm asleep. I wake up the next day. I'm like, I can't remember anything. And I look and I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> that is the reason I always tried to stay awake, though, is so that I would remember things. Until next time, folks. <laughs>